Welcome to Millennium Live, the official podcast of the Millennium Alliance. Join us for a conversation of life, leadership, and how today's top leaders are digitally transforming the enterprise. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Millennium Live. My name is Katie Perry, and today I have a very fun guest. We have Nathan Smith here, who is the Senior Vice President of Products at Apris Retail. Thank you so much for being here today, Nathan. Thank you very much for your time, Katie. Excited to be here. Before we jump in, and I really ask you some questions about the current climate of retail, do you think you could just give anyone who's listening in for the first time or who may not know about Apris Retail just a quick background on the company? Sure, yes, no problem, Katie. Apris Retail is a provider of data analytics solutions to retailers. Uh, We specialize in taking uh, big data sets of transactional data from retailers, using artificial intelligence-based models to try and find opportunities in those data sets of where we can do something good for consumer and good for retailer. So really being able to try and make decisions in very, very high, in a very, very high speed way, using computers that humans just can't make those decisions with those many data points in that time frame. So really leveraging some of the latest and greatest technologies that are out there to solve to solve some of the age-old retail problems. So I want to start with retail and the current climate of it. I, I'm curious, how important is managing returns in this e-commerce-driven world that we're currently in? Sure. So um, we've come through an interesting period of time with uh, with the COVID pandemic. Obviously, a lot of uh, transactional volume for retailers has shifted from brick and mortar stores into an e-commerce platform, either because of people not being comfortable to going to stores or actually stores just physically not being open and being unable to transactions there. What that has meant is that it's an, there's a net increase in return transactions for retailers. It's no surprise that uh, the number of returns on e-commerce transactions is higher than those purchases made in brick and mortar, just because you can't touch, feel, taste, smell, whatever you need to do with those products. Um, so there's naturally a higher number of returns. What that means is the returns are becoming more and more significant. In some e-commerce businesses can be up to 20% of sales uh, end up in returns. And there's a whole reverse logistics process around how do you make sure that's a good experience for consumer, that it makes it easy for them to return those products, that you can deal with them quick uh, quick and efficiently, and also get those products back into your supply chain so you can resell them to another consumer. Uh, Returns sometimes seem to be a bit of an afterthought for a lot of retailers or have been over time. But obviously, this sort of explosive growth that we've seen in the last couple of years or the last 18 months or so, Um, has really brought it front of mind and a focus for many retailers of this is a bigger problem that they really need to get a a little bit more mature around about how they process them. Mm -hmm. So really, could you describe what role returns play in the entire customer journey? Sure. Um, Yeah, sure. I mean, returns are a very significant part. Um, I mean, I don't think it's any surprise to say that nobody really likes making a return, right? Mm -hmm. A consumer doesn't like making a return. I, as a consumer, don't like making a return. If you're doing it online and shipping something back, it's generally a hassle of putting it in a box and finding some tape and a label and then driving to a FedEx store or wherever else it may be to drop it off. If it's going into a store, I don't want to say you feel like a criminal, but you you definitely don't feel great making a return compared to when you're buying something in store. You're going to the returns counter, everybody's sort of shuffling their feet, looking at the floor and trying to ignore you because you've clearly got something you're bringing back. And then the associate doesn't like necessarily dealing with returns in that they're looking at whatever it is you brought back. Have you opened it? Have you used it? Have you broken it? Have you abused it? You know, what's the story you're telling me about why you're trying to return it? 
So it's, it's, it's generally a negative part of the consumer journey. And if you look at how retailers are organized internally inside their businesses as well, returns doesn't have a clear owner inside of a retailing business, you know, unlike where you've got um, owners for particular product lines or product categories. Returns sort of sits out there across many, many different disciplines, and everybody sort of sees it as the... Uh, the unwritten evil, as it were, that you just have to deal with as part of doing business. But we look at it differently. Um, you know, we look at it as an opportunity. It's an opportunity to engage with your consumer and actually a very important one because it's an opportunity to engage with the consumer when they are in a slightly more negative position. If you can embrace them and bring them in, it can actually do great things for your brand, right? If you can bring the consumer and say, it's okay to make a return. And in fact, we're sorry this product didn't work out for you. We would have loved it to have worked out for you, but it didn't. So help us understand why it didn't work out a little bit more. And then let's engage with you about well, what other products might work for you or how else can we make this, this journey different? So returns sometimes seen as a very negative view. We take a very different view, especially since that they're growing in volume at the moment, as it being a, a critical point where you can really impart a a different set of values to the consumer and a different set of brand values from your organization about how you deal with them in bad times as well as in good times, which is when they're, you know, they're excited about buying the product off the shelf or off your website. Right, exactly. So are returns a persona and track transactional type that should really be owned in one functional group in order to really give a ret retailer an advantage or not necessarily? We think so. Um, we did a survey recently of, of our customers and 97% of people responded saying they had no single owner for returns within inside their organization. So clearly that isn't an, an industry norm today. But what we think is it should be. There's nothing growing faster in a retailer than, than returns, especially in this, in this post-COVID world that we've talked about. So we think that there's there's some there's a customer experience point around returns across all channels of the retailing business that really should be owned by somebody like a customer experience officer, because it's a uh, a retailer may view that their brick and mortar business and their e-commerce business operate as two different transactional entities, but that's not how a consumer perceives that. A consumer perceives you as one retailer, and whether I choose to transact online or in store. Um, you're still that same retailer. So my experience, I'm expecting, my expectation as a consumer is that you will be consistent and that you will be the same organization regardless of how I interact with you. And returns is a critical point in that piece. And we think that you can do so much good around returns, not only increasing customer satisfaction, but making an opportunity to sell something else to sell another product, to sell an exchange item, to sell something coordinating with whatever it was that was being returned or, or an upsell opportunity, um, that really it should be seen as a revenue driver rather than just the necessary evil of, of operating as a business. So in that instance, we think over time and some of the leading retailers that we work with have already identified that and set up cross-functional teams to look at returns as a entity in their own right and how do you deal with returns across the whole organization so i really just have one more question for you i don't want to take up too much of your time but i'm curious what role does returns play in sustainability is there a role um it's a very good question uh, and it's something that is very forefront in a lot of people's minds both from a retailing perspective and from a consumer perspective 
it's hard to find a retailer these days that doesn't have sustainability as a mantra from their board and as actually as a guiding principle of how they operate as a, as a retailer. In a similar vein, consumers are becoming much more environmentally aware and much more keen on sustainable solutions. In fact, I think there's lots of evidence you'll see out there in the industry where nearly 60% of consumers would not shop with a particular retailer if they didn't believe that they had some level of sustainable values. Um, clearly in this e-commerce world that we've talked about, you know, this growth in e-commerce and the, the, the growth in returns aligned with that creates uh, questions about packaging, around movement of goods, uh, shipping costs, you know, good, is it better to take my goods back to the store that's down the road a mile away from my house? Or do I take it to FedEx who ships everything via Memphis before it goes anywhere else in the country before it goes back? What's the carbon footprint of my return? How sustainable is that over the long term? The costs are also challenging, but the environmental impact is, is quite major. So I think as you look more towards what we'd call omni-channel retailers that have multiple channels of, of how they do business, there'll be a lot of optimization over time for sustainability about what's best about how does a product get returned or even does it get returned? Does it go to um, a charitable organization? Does it go back to the retailer? Is it shipped back? Does it go back to store? There's many questions that we can answer here. And then even to the sales side is, what more advice do we give to somebody when buying a product online to stop it ending up as a return, right? Can we educate somebody more about size, about color, about taste, or are these other things that you can't easily get a good handle on through an e-commerce platform um, so that people can make a more informed buying choice that overall reduces the amount of returns and therefore becomes a more sustainable solution? Returns are a fact of life. They are going to happen. Sustainable returns or more sustainable solutions around returns, I think, are going to get more and more traction over time as, as people just question their own life. I mean, I'm, I'm not sure what your house looks like, but my house, there's a stack of Amazon boxes by the front door, right, for oh, yes. what feels like every day products <laughs> arriving from Amazon. You sit there and you think, how many trees is this that is just sitting by my front door? Um and, and I think people will become more and more acutely aware of that and, and try and find solutions that, that address those problems as well. Absolutely. Well, Nathan, thank you so much for being here. This was such a great conversation. It was a lot of fun. And we hope to see you again on the podcast and hopefully in person soon too. Sure. Thank you very much for your time. We appreciate it. Thanks for listening. And be sure to subscribe to the Millennium Live podcast. New episodes every Monday. If you have interest in participating in a discussion like this one, feel free to reach out to us. Email info at mill-all.com.